0: Uh, Jamie Oliver is a very famous British chef. He has cookbooks galore. He's got cooking equipment to his name. He's got cooking shows all over the world. Jamie's a real chef. He's known across the globe. And two of the MasterChef wannabes were invited into his home to spend some time cooking and chatting and tasting with Jamie Oliver. Afterwards, they said that it had changed forever the way they approach cooking. Have you ever had an experience like that? Something that's changed the way you see things? Maybe visiting a slum in Bangkok or India and seeing up close third world poverty. Or maybe losing all your money in a stock market crash. Or maybe standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. Or seeing the Mona Lisa or the statue of David up close Meeting a relative you never knew you had. Have you ever had something happen that changed the way you see things? How about meeting God and hearing him speak? Wouldn't that change the way you see the world? But take it a step further. What if it was more than just a chance meeting, a one-off with God? How about if you actually knew the one who made the universe? on a personal first-name basis, with the maker of all things? More than that, what if you were adopted into God's family and made an heir of his kingdom, knowing firsthand the love of God Almighty? And what if he called you into his service, told by God himself what he's doing in the world, and he's calling on you to join in? Now, that wouldn't just change the way you see the world. That would give you a completely new way of life. And if you're here this morning and you're Christian, then that's you. At least it should be. Two Corinthians calls for a change in our thinking, a new mindset, a new way of life. Two Corinthians teaches us that knowing Christ means we see people differently now. Knowing Christ means we'll want others to know Christ and we'll do whatever it takes to help them at great personal cost. We'll share Jesus with people all because we know him already. Let's have a look. In the first few verses, Paul introduces what the whole letter is about. And 2 Corinthians is all about God's comfort of us in Christ and us sharing that comfort of Christ with others. Through bad and good times, we're to share the comfort of Christ with other people. Verse 6 summarizes it very nicely. Have a look. Verse 6. Paul writes, if we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Paul says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Everything for the comfort of others. That's 2 Corinthians in a nutshell. But what is this comfort? Is it making people feel nice? Is it helping them feel good about themselves? Is it giving someone a hug when they're going through a rough time? What is this comfort? Well, let's take a closer look, and we're going to walk our way through verses 3 to 5. Pick it up in verse 3, and we'll see what we can learn about this comfort. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. So the first thing we learn about this comfort is that it's from God. He's the God of all comfort. And so the comfort we're to be sharing is God's comfort. Same point is made in verse 4. Have a look there, verse 4. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we we ourselves have received from God. So we know that God gives his comfort to his people and we're to share it with others when we receive it. But what is it? Well, the answer's in verse 5. Verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. It's literally that through Christ our comfort abounds. It's the idea of having more than enough of something. God's comfort comes to us overabundantly through Christ. In other words, Christ is the comfort of God. And he provides more than enough comfort. And as we keep reading on in the letter, we see what it means that Christ is the comfort of God. It's being forgiven and reconciled to God through Christ. It's that through Christ we're saved from eternal judgment. It's that through Christ we're guaranteed eternal life. God's comfort is not a get well soon card. Or even an arm around your shoulder saying that everything will be okay. No, the comfort spoken of here is God with his mighty hand lifting you out of your sin. It's that through Christ's death on your behalf, for your sin, you are forgiven. God's comfort is him assuring you through Christ that there'll come a day when all your troubles will be gone. It's God's declaration that through Christ, you're at peace with him. It's the resurrected Lord Jesus giving you certain and sure hope at the graveside. This is comfort that no trouble or heartache can break. This is the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, come to you in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you know this comfort that only comes to anyone through Christ, you can't help but share it. Salvation and forgiveness and peace with God, hope even in death. These are things everyone needs, things we should want everyone to have. This is the comfort of God. We would do anything to help others share in it. A couple of weeks ago, my younger brother completed a half marathon. Uh, He'd been training for it for quite a while, building up his fitness. And over the June long weekend, Canberra hosts a uh, half-marathon race. And Pete went in it, he completed it, and when he got back home, he just had to ring me. Uh, He wanted to share his joy. In his words, he was so rapt that he, he actually had done it. And it really was quite lovely to share in his moment. Have you ever had moments like that? I can remember talking on the phone for over an hour to my mum just after Justin was born. I was so excited. I just wanted to talk and talk and talk, and it was an event worth sharing. But have you ever had something so good you just wanted to share it with someone? Not just talk about something with someone, but actually share it with someone. Uh, I don't know, like, like a new video game or one of those books you can't put down or, or a song that you love or a new application on your iPhone or your touch. And because you think that it's so good... You just want others to have it. Well, can there be anything that comes close to being as good as the comfort of God? So, so don't you want others to have it? I mean, what could possibly top the forgiveness of sins? The certainty of being with God forever. The sure hope of eternal life free from sin free from pain, free from evil, eternal life, free from death, life forever with God in all love and goodness and patience and peace and generosity in the Lord Jesus. We've got God's comfort and we know that other people need it too. And so we share it. Verse 6, if we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Everything for the comfort, the salvation of others in Christ. Even willing to be distressed so that others would know the Lord Jesus. And the distress that Paul speaks of here, it's not the distress of catching a cold or even facing cancer. No, it's the distress of being persecuted for the sake of others hearing about Christ. Have a look at verse 8. Paul immediately shares a recent example of the distress he's been speaking of. Verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul was willing to go to the brink of death that he might share the comfort of God, that that other people might hear of Christ. He willingly suffered great personal cost to tell others about Jesus because only in Christ can people be saved and forgiven and reconciled. And as Paul says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Everything so that others might hear of God's comfort in Christ. Everything so that Christians would remain Christian. Everything so that non-Christians might become Christian. Does that sound like you? Has knowing God and having his word and knowing his forgiveness and his eternal life and his love and his spirit, has that given you a new way of life? Seeing everyone as either needing to remain Christian or needing to become Christian and to actively pursue that for people. Is that how you see people? Well, Paul did. And for the rest of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, we see Paul's example of seeking the comfort of the Corinthians, even though it meant distress for him. It's a fairly detailed little section. We haven't got time to sort through it all. Uh, In short, what happened was that Paul said he would come and visit the Corinthians, but then he changed his mind and decided not to come. And this changing of Paul's mind caused a lot of heartache and distress. Skip down to verse 23 of chapter 1. Verse 23 of chapter 1. Verse 23. I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it's by faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. You see, Paul had already been back to Corinth once to sort out some problems, but it didn't go well. It was a painful visit. There were people in the Corinthian church who were defiantly disobeying the Lord Jesus. And so Paul had gone there and tried to put things straight, but it didn't work out. It was a painful visit. And he didn't want to do that again. So even though he did say he'd go and visit them, he decided not to go back this time. Now, the Corinthians took great offence to this. Paul said he'd come, now he's changed his mind. On top of that, there were others infiltrating the church and they were accusing Paul of being untrustworthy. Paul's love for the Corinthians was being thrown into question. People who were very dear to Paul now looked like they might desert him. The Corinthians might have even turned their back on Christ himself. Paul had a lot to lose by not going to the Corinthians. So why did he do it? Chapter 2, verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you, that you would all share my joy, for I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Paul wrote out of distress and tears in love for them, that they might remain in Christ. He wrote so that they could rejoice in Christ together when he did come. He wrote to spare them his discipline in person. He endured slander and heartache and distress so that the Corinthians would remain in God's comfort in Christ. Now, look, I know the details of the situation, they're a little hard to get a handle on, but are you just getting a feel for the way that Paul did everything for the sake of the Corinthians? Everything he did was so that the Corinthians would hang in there as Christians. Now, we're going to see more of this as we continue on through the letter. But for now, from the opening of of this letter, we're being exposed to a, a mindset, to perhaps a different way of thinking than what we're used to, seeing everyone as either needing to become a Christian or needing to continue as a Christian. And to actively pursue this for people, even if it means trouble for us. Now, if we're going to embrace this part of God's word, what's it going to mean for us? How can we put this into practice? Well, here's a few examples. Embracing this part of God's word will mean that we will brave the awkwardness of talking to a non-Christian about Jesus, it might be a friend, or a relative, or a neighbour, or a work colleague, or a mum from school, or from mum's group, and you think talking about Jesus to them is going to go down like a lead balloon, but for their sake, that they might know the comfort of God and share in it, for their sake, you open your mouth, and you share the gospel. And when you do, you might find that they react quite angrily. They get upset at your presumption to tell them how to live. They they can't stand all this hell rubbish and they really become quite agitated. And when that happens, for their sake, you don't fly off the handle in response. You don't get angry back. Instead, you take it on the cheek so that down the track you can speak to them again about Jesus because you want them to receive the comfort of God in Christ. But it's not just doing this sort of thing for non-Christians. It's going through distress for the sake of our Christian brothers and sisters, like Paul did for the Corinthians. So even little things, like being regularly here at church or to your growth group during the week, because there's times, aren't there, when it'd just be easier not to show. You're tired, you don't feel like it. But remember, it's not about you. It's doing the hard things for the sake of others. We don't come to church or growth group for ourselves, but for the others that come to encourage them, to spur them on in their following of Jesus. And so for their sake, for our sake, you come and you talk and you encourage, even when you don't feel like it. Or maybe it's the trouble of teaching Sunday school or scripture so that children can hear of Christ. But look, it's really not your cup of tea, preparing lessons, managing a group of children. It's easy to think. It's just not me. But it's not about you. It's for the sake of the children that they continue to hear of Christ. It's being willing to be troubled that others might know Jesus. And then there's the burden and the distress you have for others who seem to be drifting away from Jesus. Jesus. Or maybe they're making choices that don't help their godliness. They're making lifestyle decisions that are putting Jesus further and further out of their minds. And you're just not sure where they're at in terms of following Christ. It feels like they're slowly but surely drifting away from Jesus. But arranging to talk to them about the way they're living is really quite awkward. Conversations like this are hard to have. And your life would be a whole lot easier if you just didn't care if you didn't worry about them, if you didn't follow them up, if you didn't have to keep thinking about how do you encourage these people, it always feels like you're putting in all the effort in other people's Christians' lives. And for their sake, please keep at it. Now, in all honesty, is, it, is this the way you think about life? Do these sort of thoughts occur to you? Are you looking for opportunities to tell non-Christians about Jesus? Are you simply writing off teaching children about Jesus as someone else's job without really thinking about it? Are you willing to have those uncomfortable conversations with fellow Christians, challenging them to take stock of where their true loyalties lie? Do you see everyone as either needing to become a Christian or needing to continue as a Christian? And are you willing to bend over backwards to see this happen? Or do you find yourself just coasting through life? Not really giving much thought to the eternal destiny of the people around you. Because if that's you, well then it's highly unlikely that you'll be willing to be put out for the sake of others being Christian. Distress and discomfort and trouble, even awkwardness. They will be things you avoid, not endure. Instead, 2 Corinthians is calling us to a new way of thinking, a new mindset. If we're going to embrace this part of God's word, if we're going to put our shoulder to this wheel, then we need to understand that Christ is the comfort of God, that in Christ alone is salvation from God's judgment, that only in Christ is there forgiveness of sins, which means people without Christ are headed for destruction. Without Christ, people will not and cannot Share in God's comfort. And so we should do all we can to help people come to follow him and all we can to help people keep following him. Even if it means distress for us. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't look after himself, but in humility looked after the needs of others, even though it meant death, even death on a cross. Thank you for the shining example he has given us about how to live this world, live in this world. Father, we pray that we would be like him that we would understand that only in him can people be your people, be saved and be forgiven, and that we might do all we can to help those around us to understand him, that for the first time they might put their trust in him. Father, here in our church family and any Christians that we know, Father, please give us the strength and the perseverance to help them to keep following Jesus. Father, thank you that in Christ there is salvation. We pray that you would keep us and all we know trusting in Jesus. Please, Father. Amen.